Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Well, good, good morning. Merry Christmas and an almost happy new year. Let's, let's pray for a very happy new year, right? Well, uh, my name is Josh, and uh, I get to open the scriptures with you today. Uh, today, we are going to look at, look at the story of when that holy couple, <laughs> uh, Joseph and Mary, the story of when they lost the Messiah, when they lost baby Jesus. You don't know that story. It's in Luke. It's there. Luke chapter 2. We're going to be there. But I got to tell you, um, I, I don't know if, if, if it's just me, but I can relate to losing a child. Anyone? Anyone ever lost a child before? Yep. Okay. Um, yep. My wife has as well because we both lost this child right here. Uh, Josiah, we were, we were at Disneyland. Yep. Yep. You, see, you know the story. You know the story. That's how it went. It was uh, Disneyland, crowds everywhere, pre-COVID, right? Uh, and Josiah was in the stroller. We're looking up, waiting for the fireworks with everyone else. And Josiah was waiting too. And at some point, he decided to get up and wait somewhere else. <laughs> uh, he decided to leave. And as I'm anticipating fireworks, all I remember is the scream of my wife, where is Josiah? And then a frantic few minutes of searching, few minutes that seemed like a few hours, right? You know, uh, so much time. We don't know how long it took, but it, uh, it was one of the most traumatic moments of our lives. At that moment, we, we found him. He's safe. He's fine. Everything's okay. Not traumatic. He's not going to need a lot of counseling for a minute, so it's good. Um, we, we found him, but I just have to ask the question, what must it have been like to lose the Son of God, for three days. Because that's what happens. What we're going to look at is Luke chapter 2. This is the only, the, only, um, the only story of Jesus that we have in our Bibles um, between when, what we've you know, been talking about the last few weeks here, um, his birth stories, until he's around 30 or something. This is the one moment we have in Luke chapter 2. And it says this, now his parents, Mary and Joseph, they went up. To Jerusalem, they're coming from Nazareth, 75 miles, just a slight walk. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. Okay, custom is, by the way, that that would might that might have been the first time that he went um, to the Passover. Okay, um, he could have come with his parents, but this is the first official time that he's going in a in a unique way, and he's going in a sense to. To, to take his place as a man. Okay, this is, so this is a, a big day. Um, and when the feast was ended, the feast was ended, um, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him. Okay, so here's what happened. So uh, they go, they leave. And, and just so you know, they're not bad parents, okay? Um, they're, they were traveling together with a lot of people, so there were people around them. Um, they leave, but it takes them an entire day. Now, um, one tradition says that actually, uh, because this was Jesus' first time there, he would have gone with Mary, 
to, to the Passover because he would have gone with the women. He would have traveled with them kind of as a symbol of his childhood, okay? It's a traditional thing. That's what would happen, all right? So he would have gone with her, but then he would have returned home with the men as a symbol of entering into manhood. So now you know whose fault it was. <laughs> That's one of the traditions, right? So, so I, and, and clearly at some point, I'm, my guess is Mary goes up to, 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 to Joseph, who was just had this, that thing. He was like, man, I know I'm forgetting something. I know it was something. And she goes up to him and does that thing where she's talking to him, but not really looking at him because she's looking around. So how's, uh, how's, uh, how's Jesus doing, right? She's looking everywhere for Jesus. And Joseph just goes, <gasps> I don't know what he said, but uh, it took him a day to, to walk back. And somewhere in between, a day looking there, part of a day looking there, part of a day looking in Jerusalem, they realize, they, they go back and find him. But I, the conversations there of like, okay, what, what was Jesus, where was Jesus sleeping? Where was he eating? Well, you know, what, what did he, was he eating his vegetables? Was he brushing his teeth? I mean, come on, how many moms would freak out over that a little bit? At least we know that they were not helicopter parents back then. They did not know exactly where he was every moment of the day, but that's okay. It's all right. And we're going to dive into what happens. And we're, I think there's some great things to learn um, from what Jesus is doing there. But our time together, I want to frame it the way that the scriptures do with the opening and the ending of this. Okay, Because this, this uh, story is sort of um, bookmarked by, by two very important passages. It's, it's bookended here with the beginning of it. It says this in, in verse 40. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was on him. And then we hear the story. Then at the very end of that story, it says this in verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That here, this passage is about Jesus' growth in this word called favor. Jesus grew in favor even with God. Now, does that sound strange to anybody else? Now, would it sound even stranger if I told you this, that the word that is used in both places, the Greek word is charis. Okay, now, that is the Greek word that is normally translated as grace. That Jesus grew in grace. Now, it's one thing for us to think about Jesus growing in stature, right? He grew, grew in stature. He, he became strong. He grew as a child, right? Okay, because we realize we just celebrated the baby Jesus, right? We, we know that it was not a baby that died on the cross. It was a full-grown man and that he grew from the baby to a man, right? So that that kind of makes sense to us that that process happened, that here at the age of 12, Jesus had you know, lost all of his baby teeth. He had probably had growing pains in his knees because he was growing so fast, right? This is the, we, we, we understand this. We've kind of been there, some of us. Or we're going to be there, some of you. Right? That's just the process of, of, of life. And yet, 
That's normal for us. That's okay. But to think that, that Jesus grew in grace, that's a bit different. Because if Jesus grew in grace, we could start asking some tough questions here. Like, for instance, if Jesus grew in grace, does that mean that at some point he had less grace? If Jesus grew in favor with God, does that mean at some point that Jesus didn't have much favor with God or not enough favor with God? Or, or what does this mean about Jesus? I think it raises some good questions, and I hope you're with me, because if it does raise those questions, you're in the right place. Because today I want to give you some, I want to give you some ideas of some answers at what that could be. Because... I just have a, a simple point, because whatever we, we say about this, we can try to do some like, theological gymnastics to get away from this, <laughs> to say somehow that it was the, 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 the man, human part of Jesus that grew in grace, or uh, somehow, but that, that just gets to start separating who Jesus is. I think we have to just realize that the text tells us this. The Bible says that Jesus grew in grace, and my simple observation today is, if Jesus could grow in grace, if Jesus, could grow, if Jesus could grow in grace, then we can too. I didn't notice my typo last hour, so hey, oh well. Um, if Jesus could grow in grace, then we can too. If Jesus can grow in grace, then we can too. Now, but here's the thing. Um, that makes sense. And yet, it brings up a, a question, maybe even a problem, that if Jesus can grow in grace, then I have a big question. Because maybe I got grace wrong. <laughs> My question is, what is grace? If Jesus grows in it, then maybe I've been misunderstanding what grace really is all about all these years. Because I thought that grace is God's perspective, God's stance towards people who were rebellious. And last I checked, Jesus is not rebellious, unless it's somewhat rebellious to stay at the temple. Um, uh, you know, no, I mean, that's not an act of rebellion at all. He's not sinful. We, we recognize Jesus did not sin. He had no, there's, there's no opportunity for, for God to, to see him as rebellious. And yet, I thought that's what grace was. In fact, we tend to think that grace is something that is just reserved for those who don't know Jesus. That grace is for salvation. And let me be very clear. That, that God's stance, God's outlook, the way that God sees every single person, no matter, no matter what their state of rebellion is, whether that state of rebellion was long in the past or whether they're currently in a state of active rebellion or passive rebellion against God. In other words, if they're like declaring, I don't want anything to do with God, or if they're just living their life like they don't want anything to do with God, okay? That's, that's all people at some point in our life have been like that. God's stance to all of them is one of grace. It's one of gift. And we'll explain what that means. And this is why it's so important. This is why we need to talk about this and tell people about this time and time again. That the big question in life that every single person needs to deal with is, do you believe it? Are you willing to accept the gift 
of grace that God gives. He gave it to us through the, the baby that we celebrated yesterday, that the world celebrated, right? The, the, this child that lived, that died on the cross for our sins, that rose again for us. That is the, the ultimate gift of grace. And what everyone needs to know is that that's, that's the first invitation of grace. We're told this in Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one can boast. It is by grace we have been saved. This is what grace is. But I want to suggest this is the first invitation of grace. But it's not the last. It's not the last invitation of grace. That actually, the invitation is to continue to grow in grace. If Jesus grew in grace, then we can too. In fact, I want to tell you that the the entire story of the Bible is a story of grace. It's all a story that leads to that, that, that baby. It leads to the cross. It leads to God's gift to all of humankind. The gift of Jesus. Truth is, all other religion is about our journey to try to get to God. It's about humans' journey to get to God. Religion is about that. In fact, sometimes even Christians have made Christianity about that. They've made it about trying to get to God. But Jesus came to put an end to religion, to say there's no way you can get to God. So stop trying to get to God. That Jesus said, no, I'm going to come to you. That's what Christianity, that's what following Jesus is all about. And so the whole story of the Bible is about how God poured out his grace through Jesus. fact of the matter is that all life is grace. All life with Jesus is grace. Not just the beginning. The beginning is grace. Don't get me wrong. But the rest of it is grace too. And I want to talk to you about how that is. Because I think there's been some misunderstandings of what grace is. All life is with Jesus is grace. Like I said, there's been some misunderstandings about this. We, we can tend to make it more religious. Some people, and they may not say this, but they may live this way, that yes, we're saved by grace. We're absolutely, anyone is, that offers available, you're saved by grace, but the rest of life is hard work. You have to earn your way. You have to do all the things. That's how we live it. I, Jerry Bridges, in this book, It's a great book, Transforming Grace. He says this, we are all legalists by nature. (laughs) Legalists meaning we we, we want it done this way. This is the law and we actually, we like the laws by nature. Because the laws tell us that this is, you know, is what we innately think that so much performance by us earns us so much blessing from God. You guys, that's the way that the rest of life tends to work. You, You put in the effort and you get what you put in, Right? That's what we think about the spiritual life. And this is what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus came to teach. That's not what the Bible tells us. 
In fact, he goes on to say that we are exhorted to, to attend church. Good thing. Uh, have a daily quiet time. Good thing. Study our Bibles. Great thing. Pray. Memorize scripture. Witness to our neighbors and give to missions, all which are important Christian activities. Nothing wrong with those things. But he says this. Though no one ever comes right out and says, it, says so, somehow the vague impression is created in our minds that we'd better do these things or God will not bless us. Somewhere we think that it's up to me. That I've got to earn it. And if I don't, God's not blessing. Or even worse, something bad happens. We say, oh, it's because I, did, I didn't do it. I wasn't, I wasn't working hard enough. Oh, if I was only praying a little more. Can I tell you how wrong that is? That is not the message of the Bible. And I know that because Jesus could grow in grace. And if Jesus could grow in grace, then we can too. So grace must be something else. Okay? And, and not less. Okay? We are saved by grace Grace is something more. I want to expand your understanding of grace today. I want you to see that grace is bigger and more powerful than ever before. Because Peter's last words that he wrote to us in 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As if to say, after all I've said, I've offered grace. I've talked about grace. Now keep growing in grace grace, that we can grow in grace. And so back to our question, then what is grace, okay? I want to give you a definition. There's nothing terribly um, new and profound in this, but I want you to have this. And this is the first part of the definition. It'll continue in a little bit. But grace is the expression of God's undeserved, unearned, never-ending love for you. That grace is is the expression of what God, God, God's heart for you. Grace is kind of what flows out of that. This means that he loved you before you deserved it. He didn't wait for you to be good enough and then say, oh, okay, now I'll love that person, right? Or now I'll love you. He didn't make you, wait for you to make a good choice, okay? It's a great choice to say, I commit my life to Jesus. Great choice. Guess what? He loved you before that. He loved you before you stopped doing the things that you used to do. He loves you even when you do the things that you know you're not supposed to do, right? And it's unearned, not only unearned, it's unearnable. You cannot earn it. There's nothing you can do. And by the way, it won't end. It is never-ending love. I love the, the way that uh, the, the children's book, um, this children's book that I read to my kids most nights when they were young, Jesus Storybook Bible. Man, if you want a gift for a kid, ah, oh, this is great. I love the way th this, this um, Sally Lloyd-Jones talks about love all the time. She says it this way. God's never-ending Never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. I just love that idea. This is how God loves us. 
And I want to ingrain that in my kids. I want you to hear it. I want that to be ingrained in you that this is how God loves you. This is his grace for you. But if you notice in the, the translations that I had on the screen here, it still said favor. That Jesus grew in the favor of God. And actually, I want to say I like that too. Because have you ever had a kid come up to you and say, who's your favorite? <laughs> My kids used to do that. Maybe still do sometimes. And, uh, and I decided a long time ago, I'd, I'd always say, you are. You're my favorite. And then when the other one would get a little bit mad, like, hey, I'd say, oh, no, you're my favorite too. Who said I can only have one favorite? That's just not fair. I want all the favorites, right? And if I can have more than one favorite, think about God, infinite God. What he's saying is, you are my favorite. What grace says is you are favored. You are my favorite. You are my favorite. You are my favorite. You are my favorite. That's what grace is saying, that you are God's favorite. And yet the question still is, how does Jesus grow in favor? (laughs) Jesus didn't become more favored by working harder, did he? No. Jesus was already God. It's not like he needed to grow spiritually. Let me just point out, you can't grow any more spiritually than being God. Right? And yet he grew in grace. So it must mean something different. It must mean something different. And so I want to suggest to you that it, it does. And I want to take you to a passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one of my favorite verses. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, to be clear, Jesus didn't have to deal with this, okay? Jesus didn't have any old. He was just the new. <laughs> we have the new, and he is the new creation, So he came to give us this. And because we identify with Jesus, as the scripture says, because he died, we die. Because he's raised, we are raised. Because of that, we take on the new. And the old dies. But the truth of the matter is there's nothing on the outside that changes when that happens in somebody's life, right? I mean, it's not like, all of a sudden, you have to start wearing the Christian name tag when you become a Christian, right? It's not like all of a sudden, you know, we all had, you know, long hair and then we just decided to cut it all because we're Christians. That would make it easy to identify like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a Christian. You know, all the, all the bald people would be like, amen. No, um, it, it's just not like that though. It, it's because, in, in fact, the stuff on the outside of us doesn't always change right away, does it? Truth is that there's an internal change in the very core of who we are. Our identity is changed. We become different. And that works itself out from us. The heart can be changed, and yet at times, this is why sometimes those those habits just don't go away. Five years 
10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Some people, any amens out there, 40 years, 50 years going, oh, come on. Why? Why do I keep doing the same things? Well, it's still working itself out, right? And we've got some work to do, right? It's still, it's still going. But now how does that, how does that happen? It, it, it's not just by earning it. It's actually grace all the way. That it's grace. Something amazing about grace, right? And it's not just that it, by grace that a wretch like me was saved, right? It's by grace. It's all by grace that brought me safe thus far and grace that will lead me home. You guys, it is all grace. And I want to suggest to you that that is because life is like a tape measure. <laughs> um, this is one of my favorite illustrations. A mentor of mine told me this, not using tape measures. He said that um, we are like two parallel lines. I thought tape measure was more fun, so I brought a few tape measures because we're all kind of like tape measures. I have lots of tape measures. Um, the fact is that um, this is a small one. I've got uh, a little bit bigger ones, a little bit bigger ones, even bigger ones, and uh, I've even got a laser that'll go for a long, long time. Um, I've got a little bigger one in just a second, but the fact is that um, we all have, we all, all have a beginning, and we all have an end, but our ends are all a little bit different. We don't necessarily know when we're going to get to the end of our tape, right? Um, but let's use this one. Because um, we all have a beginning, though. We all have a beginning, and um, let's say this tape ends at the ripe old age of 9 feet 10, 2 inches. Okay? Whew! It's a good life. 9 feet 10 inches. don't know what that means. but um, And let's just say that... Uh, that at, at the age, at the young, young age of three foot, three inches, that this person decides to put their, their trust in Jesus as their savior. They say, um, I, I believe. I want to accept the gift of your grace because of what you've done on the cross. This person's life changes from this moment on. And yet... Life continues, doesn't it? And so it's like we have a beginning, we have an end, but at some point we are given a new life. And I want to suggest that that new life at the cross is, um, is a much bigger tape. Now, it's a bigger tape than this. This only goes 300 feet, but that's the biggest one I could afford. Um, so this one... Um, I want you to pretend that this goes forever, that this is the never-ending tape, the one that you receive when you trust Jesus, that your life will go on for all eternity with him, that this one just keeps going and going and going. And I'm going to put this one up here. And... Uh, 
I can't go very far, so I'm just going to set it here for now. And uh, we're going to say this is going to be representing a line that's going to continue and continue and continue, okay? Here's, Here's where we are. Have a tape. The, the old self is still here, but behold, there is something new. The new has come. And I want to just suggest to you that in this illustration, it's as if God is looking down from above at you. And he only sees one person. He sees one. And it's not this. As soon as you trust Christ, you are changed, you are new, you have been redeemed, you have been bought with a price. That price is Jesus. And so all of Jesus' righteousness, all of his goodness, that's what God sees when he sees you. This is who he sees. And yet, we sometimes live down here. That we live in this in between now. Now, one day you'll get to the end of your tape. And this is why in a Christian memorial service, we can celebrate life and have hope for the future because we recognize that their real life is going to continue. In fact, they're going to they're get rid of all the baggage of this earthly life that's holding us down, and they are going to Soar, right? The process of the Christian life, Christian growth, we hope will look something like this, where we start here and we're kind of trying to live more and more like this. But it doesn't always work like that. It's not always this up and to the right kind of way, right? I mean, we realize that sometimes there's dips and valleys in the Christian life. Sometimes we get pulled down. And so I kind of like to think about it a little bit more of like a, a, a bit of a gray area of in between. We know who we are, and yet we sometimes live like this. We live the old ways. This is very much Paul saying the things that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. He's living in the in between. But this is where God sees you. This is the new The old is gone. I love how C.S. Lewis put it. God became man, okay, Christmas. God became man to, to turn creatures into sons. Not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. It is not like teaching a horse to jump better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature. You see, this is what God's doing with us. He's not just, he's not just trying to make you a, 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 better, a better person. Okay? Not just trying to say like, oh, you know, just stop saying the bad words. That's, that's great and good and fine. He's not just saying, hey, you know, make sure you go to church more and be a good person. No, he wants you to soar. We can be so much more. I suggest that it's all grace. It is all and 100% grace because what he is telling you, 
And what I want you to hear today is maybe some of the most powerful words that you can hear. I think it's the very words that Jesus heard. And his growth is tied to this. And those words are that you are the beloved child of God. You are a beloved, the beloved child of God. In fact, it just in, in your mind, would you just say that? I can't say it as you. I can only say it as me. I am the beloved child of God. I am the beloved child of God. It's, it's profound and it's crazy. And yet, I believe that this is God's posture of grace towards all of us. And as I said, Jesus didn't need to to deal with the, the sin problem that we have that holds us down. And yet, he did still grow in his understanding of who he is, of how loved he is. Because there's never an end to that. You'll never get to a point ever, even all the way down there, where you finally said, oh, oh yeah, I got it. I'm loved enough. I understand it now. I know all that God does, has done for me. We will be contemplating God's love for us forever. <laughs> and we won't fully grasp it. And so let's get back to the temple. This Jesus, Jesus who's growing in grace, he's at the temple. And I think this gets at how we grow. Because if Jesus, at the ripe old age of 12, is growing in grace, then I, I want to suggest that the experience is not him earning, but him understanding who he is. Because Jesus, was he any more favored by God when he was 12 than when he was 13? Did he, was he any more, was he any more the son of God? Was he any more the beloved child of God between the ages of 11 versus 30? He was always who he was. So he grew in his understanding of who he was. And I think that's how we grow as well. That's how we grow. Because grace is the expression of God's undeserving, unearned, never-ending love for you. And it is that understanding that empowers you to become who you already are. See, because here's the thing. And, and you're not the son of God. But you are the beloved child of God. You are not divine. You cannot, you, you cannot be divine like Jesus is. But you are the child of God. Yes, we're still dealing with this. But who you are is more love than you can ever comprehend. Than you could ever know. And so, what our task is. 
as we grow in grace, it's believing, believing what already declared about you, what God already knows you to be. As soon as you trusted Jesus, this is who you are. You're already here. Now we live into it. Step by step, we are believing. We're trusting that this is who we are. That's what we'll be doing the rest of our life. It's not working harder to earn something because we're already there. It's believing that we are and living like it. So I think Jesus shows us a few ways that he did that then. Okay, a few things that he says uh, that, that we see. Okay, first of all, how do we grow in grace? How do we do that? Okay, uh, the, the grace is there. The grace is already there for us. It's like God's poured it out on us. Now we participate in it, in it. And so one of the ways we do it is by participating in meaningful practices. Some, some people say that, that uh, a, a spiritual practice, a, a, uh, a um, spiritual discipline of some sort, whatever it is we do, th these things aren't the things that actually earn anything. We don't earn any favor with God. It's just putting ourselves in a place where we can experience it more, where we can understand it. The more we grow in this, the more you will. And one of the ways that, they, that, that Jesus' family experienced these practices is by going to this festival, the Passover. They, they went to church, but it wasn't like getting kids ready for church on a Sunday and driving them to church. No, it was a three-day journey. It was a three-day journey of walking. And that's if you walked a marathon every day, like 25 miles every day. Going to this festival, they did it yearly, as the Bible says. So this was, this was a, a big commitment. They entered into it. And one of the best ways that we can do that is by gathering together. It's by gathering, coming together. And, and coming together this way is great, but, but getting together in a small group with people that know you and that, can, that you can be known by you, you can hold accountable to. That is a great way. If you'd like to know more, we'd love to help you do that. Um, doesn't say here that Jesus was, uh, was reading the scriptures, but we do know that he was able to read, which is actually pretty rare in those days. Because later he actually reads, and at one point he writes on the ground. So we know that he reads. And you know that he's interacting with the scriptures. But one of the best ways that you and I can do this is by reading this book regularly. And I want to invite you to, to join us in a, a reading plan this year. That together we're going we're gonna to read, read the New Testament. So if it's been a while, um, this is, it's not super hard. It's less than one chapter a day to read the New Testament together. And so there's a reading plan. This is a reading plan that's outside. If you, if you would rather do it digitally, I want to invite you to join me in reading the Bible together. If you ever do this thing where you take the picture of the thing, right? Um, you can do that. And this will take you right to the Bible app. And you can, you can join, actually join me in reading the New Testament. This is a meaningful practice that is helpful in growing in grace. Jesus could grow in grace, so could we. The next thing, it says, in verse 46, it says, After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Jesus, the infinite, 
almighty God. Jesus took on the posture of a learner. The one who designed the way that synapses works in our brain chose to sit and learn from other people who didn't know as much as he does, right? I mean, this is, this is Jesus' posture of being a learner. And if he can grow in grace, so can we. I think we need to take the posture of a learner. One, one easy next step for you is on Wednesday nights here. This is kind of like family night where we have, there's things for, for all the kids to do. It's a fun, energetic place. There's students and kids everywhere on campus. It's great, but there's also things for adults to do. We pray the first Wednesday of every month together. We have growth communities on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month, and we have seminar nights. That are, we, man, we have some great ones lined up for this coming year. I want to encourage you to make Wednesday night a, a habit of coming and joining a posture of learning. It'll be a great thing. Alpha will be on that night, and so if you need to invite someone to Alpha, um, do that. Jesus took a posture of the learner, and as he did, it, it, something struck me in that, that it said that listening to them and asking questions. I just love that Jesus asked questions. That Jesus asked bold questions. And I know they're bold because he's asking spiritual leaders, right? I mean, I, I get it. It can be, you know, difficult at times to like, you know, walk up to your, your spiritual leaders and ask a question. But Jesus did that. Do you know that Jesus, that, that people have studied this, Jesus was 40 times more likely to ask a question than answer one. <laughs> if you were talking to him in scriptures, 40 times more likely to ask you another question. I just love that he engaged people with questions. And we have some ways to do that. I want to tell you a quick one. Um, Vitology podcast is something that Pastor Ryan and I do every week almost. Um, we, we get together and we, we answer questions. And oftentimes I'm asking him questions trying to be curious, trying to live this out, trying to ask bold questions, but we love it when you all ask questions. And so if you email us questions at efcc.org, we will do our best to answer them there live, but it's a great opportunity for you to join in, to be curious and ask questions. I love uh, my son, Caleb. He's here somewhere. Um, this, this popped up as a memory on Facebook, right? Caleb asked, when is Jesus coming? Just a good question. Beth says, I don't know. And he said, with much excitement, yeah. And when he comes, we'll yell, surprise. <laughs> like, right? I mean, the question itself wasn't necessarily about the answer. It was about excitement. And somewhere on this journey, we, we, we stop asking questions. We might ask him early on, but we think, eh, I'm supposed to know that. And so we stop. But this is how we grow in grace, is we are curious. Ask bold questions. Fourth, how did he grow in grace? He claimed his true identity. The story ends that when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold. Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress, she says to Jesus. And Jesus said to them in verse 49, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now get this. 
Mary asks Jesus a question and uses the words, your father and I. Kids, you've heard that, those words before. Jesus responds, I've been in my father's house. It's the same word, but it's got a very different meaning, doesn't it? What she was saying is, you, you are just a child of me and, your, and, and <laughs> me and my husband. And Jesus is saying, oh, no, no, no. I am a child of almighty God. This is who I am. How do we grow in grace? We claim our identity in Jesus. This is who I am. So as we close, I just want to read over this to you. This is who you are. This is what the Bible, who the Bible says you are. You are made in God's image. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are God's child. You're a friend of Jesus. You are accepted. You are righteous. You are free. You are God's handiwork. You are forgiven. And I could keep going and going and going. This is who you are. Let's live like it this year. Let me pray for you. Lord, we do ask, we do ask that we would grow, that we would be people who don't stay the same. We want to experience all that you have for us. We're here today because we want to grow. So Lord, instead of, instead of trying to earn it, I pray that we would accept the free gift that you've given us by declaring who we are. That I pray that I and all of us here would live into our identity as beloved children of God. I pray it would be so in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.